Welcome to the Rhythm of Us podcast. We're your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. This year, we're releasing a book we've been pouring our hearts and souls into for quite some time. It's called The Rhythm of Us. It releases November 9th and is available now for pre-order wherever you get your books. Throughout this season, we'll be exploring the five rhythms from our book, as well as sitting with and learning from wise leaders, mentors, and friends in our life about the intentional rhythms that can lead us closer to God and closer to each other. Today, we're chatting with Jonathan Evans, NFL chaplain, pastor, and oldest son of Dr. Tony Evans. We're talking with him about his personal journey of finding God's purpose when life didn't go according to plan. Jonathan shares the lessons he's learned firsthand about how to listen for God's direction, intentionally pursue Him, and actively step into God's calling for your life. No matter what season this finds you in or the challenges you're facing, we hope this conversation will encourage you to trust God's greater purpose at work for your good, even when it looks nothing like you planned. Here's Jonathan. All right, Jonathan, welcome to the show, man. We're glad you're here. Man, glad to be here. No place I'd rather be than with you guys. <laughs> well, I believe that and I receive it. So, all right, you know, with, you've got this brand new project that you started and we're going to jump into it here in a second. But, uh, you know, you've kind of got this interesting story journey. You are the son of Dr. Tony Evans and man, he's made a huge impact across the faith community and world for man, many, many years. But you got to grow up in his house underneath his leadership and, um, and before we jump into the project, I want to talk about your story, being his son, and just your personal journey that led you to the project that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for asking that question. I mean, my dad and my mom have been huge influences in our lives. And when I say our, you know, it's four of us, Crystal, Priscilla, Anthony, and then myself. I'm the baby of the family, so I'm in the best position in the house. But um, <laughs> um, we just had the opportunity to sit under um, such great parenting being able to also see such a great relationship and being also to be taught by people who have taken it seriously, just not on the stage, but also in the home. It's one thing to see it on the stage, but it's another thing to know that what's on the stage is actually in your house. And so, you know, I got to realize as I got older, oh, that's why they did things the way they did. It's literally straight out of the Bible. Like they took God's word, uh, primarily Psalm 128, and used that to, to govern how they did things in the home. And so one of the major things was raising us around the table. And what I mean by that is dinner was not just a time for eating. It was a time for leading. And so my dad would use dinner time, um, one much technology, but, you know, we were missing a couple of shows that were on the tube at the time, but we would turn <laughs> everything off. We would be at the table together and we would eat and then he would pray and he'd pull out the word and he would teach us. They would teach us from their experiences. Um, they would teach us from the word and they would just teach us about life. I mean, and we had a lot of laughter, a lot of time of learning sitting around that table. And that's kind of what has made me the man that I am today and the man that does the same thing with his kids today. And so it's just, I, we all as siblings look back at that as the leading representation of what we needed to be doing when we have kids, but also what made us the people that we are is that time that they took with us. That's love awesome. it. Love it. Well, I, I love that. Yeah. I mean, we can always learn and, you know, we have five kids just like you and, you know, that we love the table. It's such a special moment with your family and so important. Yeah. yeah. So important. Love that you had that. All right. Well, let's take a second and dive into this brand new project, this book, Your Time Is Now. What is this message? Why are you sharing it now? Our audience would love to know. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's important for people to realize what I had to realize growing up. You know, as the as the baby of the family, I always ask my parents the question, 
um, when is it going to be my turn? <laughs> you know how they, you're, you're always last. It's like, when is it going to be my turn? When, why do I have to wait? And my dad and mom would always look at me and say, son, it's always your turn because God uses everything and he, and he doesn't waste anything. So even the time of your waiting, even the time of your thinking and processing and not understanding, God is going to use all of that because God will use your greatest misery for your greatest ministry. And so they were like, don't ever discount the journey for the goal because it's the journey that makes you ready for the goal when you receive it. And so I wanted to make sure that people understood that, but also understood that in everything that you're going through and everything, even through the pandemics, the, all the pandemics that we're experiencing, that God wants to use you in those moments, but also through those moments, because it's all about his kingdom advancement. And so I wanted to give not only uh, biblical context, but practical ways that you can uh, really position yourself to get what God has given you. God has given it, but we got to go get it. And a lot of people are waiting for the manna to fall from heaven. A lot of people are, are, are not realizing what God told Joshua. Everywhere your foot treads, I have given it to you. So I have given it to you, but if your foot doesn't tread on it, you're not going to get it. Okay. And so um, my dad always said, life is like a dollar bill. You get to have it, but you're only going to get to spend it once. So you might as well spend it well. And so I wanted to use this book as an encouragement and a catalyst uh, for people everywhere to, to be able to do just that and realize their time is now. That's really good. I love that. Um, one of the things I, I know that you um, distinguish between, and I want to make sure that we we communicate to people listening is that you're not talking about striving. You know, talk about the difference between taking action in a healthy way towards what God's calling you to and that place of striving and feeling like we have to earn our worth by what we do and by how we succeed. Yeah, that's definitely a great question. Um, striving a lot of times comes from comparison, not be, not, it doesn't come from purpose. And so a lot of people strive because they see what somebody else is doing, or they see something that they want to do that somebody else has reached a great height in doing. And then they start trying to figure out how did that person do it to get that way? And then they start trying to build their plan based on somebody else's plan. And they get crushed within that plan because it's not the purpose and plan that God has uniquely for them. And so I call it the, the Instagrammers. Well, you know, people um, see the Instagram photos or the videos and they're like, oh, that's great. Not realizing that people only put up uh, the highlights. So you're only getting the highlights. You're not getting all the behind the scenes that happen before the highlight hits the timeline. And so a lot of people are striving to become something and trying to put on shoes that don't fit them. And I spent a lot of time doing this with my dad, Tony Evans, looming large over me. I was like, <laughs> I'm, you know, it's just like, there's no way I can do this. And so um, I spent a lot of time trying to do what he does. And I was being crushed in that comparison. And that's where I was striving. I knew I was striving because I was frustrated. And anytime you're frustrated trying to achieve a purpose, you know that you're striving because you've really stepped on God's purposes for you because you're trying to get your own purposes for you. And a lot of times that comes through comparisons. My mom told me this. She said, what size shoe does your dad wear? And I said, he wears a 10 and a half. She said, well, what size shoe do you wear? I said, 13. She said, see, if you try to put on his shoes, you're going to get crushed. <laughs> and, and, and so we live in a day where couples, uh, where people just in general, where young people, uh, they're striving to pick up somebody else's purpose. And they're wondering why it's a burden that they can't bear. And it's because mm -hmm. it's not your own. But God gives you, um, when you rest in him, he gives you not only a purpose, but he gives you passion. He gives you experiences, opportunities, and abilities to fill it. And I call mm -hmm. this the mix master of purpose. When you hit this mix master, 
you know that you've reached the mixed master of your purpose because not only is it not a burden, but you're passionate about it. You have experiences in the past that God is going to use with it. You have opportunities that connect with those passions and experiences, and then you have the ability to get it done. And mm -hmm. so that's when you kind of hit your sweet spot. That's really good. You know, I know this idea of taking action, hearing from the Lord about what he's calling you to do, and then moving forward in it, it comes easier to some than others, right? Even in our own relationship, Chris is more, way more of an act now, think about it later. And I'm more of like, let me pray about it one more day, <laughs> you know? Yep. But that can be such a trap, you know, that we just wait on it a little bit more confirmation, one more confirmation um, that we're asking for. So speak to that person who's sitting, who knows what they're supposed to do, but maybe fear or um, insecurity is keeping them from really stepping out and following the Lord's lead. Um, speak to that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think there is a time uh, for us to wait and be patient. Patience is one of the fruits of the Spirit. So I don't want anybody to feel bad that they're waiting on the Lord or they're being patient and they don't want to be hasty uh, in their decision makings. I mean, why pray if prayer is not necessary? So I think that it's important. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to have paralysis by analysis. Okay, right. so there, there is a, a kind of a balance that we want to have that a lot of times people feel like we're waiting on God and God is saying, no, I'm waiting on you. I've, mm -hmm. I've already equipped you. I've already given you the passion for it. You already have been prodded by the spirit of God in your soul, in your heart. You've been thinking about it, weighing it out for months and years, and you even are trying to justify your way out of it, but you can't because you can't shake it. And a lot of times that's because God is talking. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth are his ways from our ways and his thoughts from our thoughts. And so a lot of times, you know, God is talking not when you have that voice in your head that's telling you what you already want to hear anyway. That's your voice. That's why it sounds like you. It's really when God is uprooting you from a comfort zone and he's actually trying to get you to walk in faith, not in fear. And so fear um, really is um, me looking at what I'm called to do, not being able to shake it. I'm staring at it all the time, but I'm looking at myself to determine whether I can do it. So fear is actually another form of pride that people don't really digest that way. People think pride is I think too high of myself. No, pride can even be you think too low of yourself. Pride is you are the object that determines whether you're going to do what God says or not. So mm, because, because you're the object, you're prideful. It doesn't even matter if it's too low of yourself. Yourself needs to get mm. out of the way so that God can move. And so pride comes before the fall, whether it's perceived as conceited or arrogant or whether it's I can't, I can't. Like Moses, when he said, who am I to go to Pharaoh? Well, that's a prideful statement because God told you to go to Pharaoh. See what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. And so we have yeah. to be able to balance our fear and faith so that we don't stay still so long we miss out on our life. Hey guys, thanks again for listening. We'll get back to the show in a minute. But real quick, just want to remind you to pre-order a copy or two or three of my parents' new book, The Rhythm of Us, from your favorite retailer. All right, let's get back to the show. So the word purpose or finding your purpose can just feel like a huge ton of bricks. Like, oh, what's my purpose <laughs> in life? You know, I recently had a friend tell me, he said that, you know, kind of his biggest fear is never reaching his potential, which he didn't even fully know 
what that is, but she's like, I, I got a, I got potential in me. And if I don't ever discover it, I think everyone's kind of got in them. So for your personal journey, I would love to hear, take a second. You've talked a little bit about here, but just unpack some of the emotions, the journey, the ride that you had to take, because I think there's those listening right now going, I, I want to know my purpose. What does that look like? So when you're sitting across from somebody and you're sharing your journey, how do you unpack all of that for somebody with such a big idea? Yeah, I think that that's a, a great question uh, because purpose can just be this ethereal word that we hear a lot, but it kind of stays up in the sky and we're not able to really bring it down to our experiences. So I'll try to make it simple and use some biblical examples. Joshua spent a whole lot of time with Moses, okay? Joshua's first call was Exodus 17 when Moses told him to go down and fight against Amalek, okay? Joshua was there when he told him to spy out the land. Joshua was in ministry with Moses, connected to the top guy, I mean, he had valleys, he had ups, he had downs. Um, he was doing all of those different things. And then suddenly Moses passes away in Deuteronomy 34. And the word now is the first word of Joshua 1. And God turns his attention to Joshua. God did not turn his attention to Joshua as if he did not already have experiences with Moses. God did not turn his attention to Joshua as if he didn't know all the tricks of the trade that Moses has already taught him. God did not turn his attention to Joshua as if Joshua hasn't already experienced a valley in battles with Amalek because Joshua would have to battle his way into the land of Canaan. See, the, the way that Joshua knew that he hit his purpose is because his purpose never ignored his past. His purpose was inclusive of all his experiences, all of his ups and downs, all of the tricks of the trade that he learned along the way, and his actual literal talent that he already had, which was to go to war. Okay, because Joshua was the warrior. And so God uses all of those things. If you're trying to pick a purpose off of a tree and you're just grabbing at things and again, doing the comparison game and you're jumping around, well, this looks nice. Let me try that. This looks nice. Let me try this. You may be ignoring your purpose while trying to pick a purpose because your purpose never ignores your past. Remember what my uh, my mom told me. Uh, she said, your greatest ministry is going to come out of your greatest misery. Okay, look at Joseph. Joseph was in the in a pit. And, and if you look at Genesis uh, 37, verse 24, somewhere around in there, if my memory serves me correctly, it says, now the pit was empty without any water in it. Most people missed that. And I, I just read that not that long ago and I caught it. Why did God say the pit was empty without water in it? Why was it necessary for us to tell us the nature of the pit and not just know that he was in a pit and his brothers didn't like his dream and all of that? Well, it lets you know that at his lowest point, he was at his lowest point with bare necessities. He didn't have water. He didn't have food. In other words, in his lowest point, Joseph experienced a famine. Guess what? When he finally made it to the palace, he made it to the palace because Pharaoh put him over a famine. So he was able to minister from his former misery. God always connects the dots in your life experiences and what you have been through will be your passion, your experiences and your abilities for what you're going to go to. And so those will always be infused. So you don't want to just be picking off a tree. You want to think about what am I good at? What do I have ability like Joshua? What are my experiences? What has God used in my past? What has been my misery that I want to help somebody else through? And then you'll find your greatest unleashed passion that you probably will be like, it's, I'm excited just to get paid to do it. But even if I wasn't, I'd still be doing it. 
Yeah, that's so good. What does that look like for you? You know, what are the miseries that have pointed to a purpose in your life? Well, that's great. So listen, after saying all that, I better have one, right? So, <laughs> you know, I don't know, really. I don't know. I'm kind of read set my us up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, just thinking about my journey, because I, I was always an athlete. So I found kind of my identity in athletics and had to figure that out. But I went to Baylor on full football scholarship. And, you know, at some point my coach told me and enlightened me, hey, you're good enough to play in the NFL. And I said, what? You know, I didn't even consider it really until he said it. And so I started, you know, going after it. I said, well, let's go for it. And then I got picked up in the 2005 draft by the Dallas Cowboys. That's the year for DeMarcus Ware and Marion Barber for all of the Cowboy fans out there. But I got cut in training camp. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll get over it. We'll figure it out. I go to NFL Europe go to NFL Europe. I play there. It's kind of the worst, best time of my life because it's not English speaking. I'm just kind of in this weird place. You know, it's kind of, I kind of don't know what's going on, but God is growing me there. So I'm excited because I'm coming back to the San Diego Chargers. I come back to the San Diego Chargers. I think I'm going to make the team. It doesn't work out. I get cut. I go to the um, Tennessee Titans. I think I'm going to make the team there. I get carted off the field against the New England Patriots because I get hurt. And they're throwing cans at me. They're telling me, you're terrible. You know, that kind of thing. It was an away game. So then I get picked up by the Buffalo Bills. Great. I get another opportunity. They decide they don't want to use a fullback on their team. I get cut again. So then I get picked up by the Washington Redskins. I feel like I'm going to make the team. We have a coaching change. They change a lot of players out. I get traded. So basically what I'm telling you is my NFL experience was a dream of mine that I didn't get. And I was very frustrated. I was very angry because I was on five teams in five years. My wife was, you know, trying to stick with me through it. And we have one child and I'm kind of in the darkness because I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And I thought that the NFL was going to support my family, that the NFL was going to be my life. And this is something that now is turning out to be a wash. It's turning out to be one of those things that has me in depression and anxiety because I thought that it's my purpose. Long story short, my wife says, well, Jonathan, I think maybe God's calling you to ministry. You know, on every team, you're, you know, starting prayers, you're being with the guys, you're sharing his word. And I said, yeah, but I'm supposed to do that while I'm playing. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want to do this while I'm playing. And so I get a call from the Kansas City Chiefs and they say, Jonathan, we want you to come back and try out. And I looked at my wife and I said, see, I told you. While I'm working out for Kansas City, I tear my Achilles tendon. Mm. Oh. And uh, I'm on the ground in pain, but laughing. And the guys come over and they say, what's wrong? And I said, God said to me, as clear as day, I'm not going to continue to let you walk in a, in a direction. I'm not calling you. So like Jacob, he changed how I walked. And I put on my boot and my crutches and walked into seminary. And while I was in seminary, I got a call to come back and be the chaplain. And at that moment, I've been the chaplain for the Dallas Cowboys for 10 years. At that moment, I realized, oh, you did want me in the NFL, but you wanted me in the NFL your way, not my way. But you didn't ignore my experiences. You used them all. So now there's not a player that can surprise me by being cut. They can't surprise me by being injured. They can't, they can't bring anything to me that I haven't experienced myself. And that's what's made me a chaplain that they say, man, I wish I can make sure I stay on this team because you understand what we're going through and can bring biblical perspective to it. So literally, that's exactly what God has done in my life. And that's exactly what I'm living out. That's awesome. Yeah, I love, love that. It. Well, as you know, we we spend time talking to couples, you know, yeah. couples, spiritual growth for couples are really trying to help 
both husband and wife kind of navigate this thing called life and Jesus. And so when it comes to purpose, what does that look like? How do you process that out? Maybe for you and your wife and for those listening here, how does each individual come to their purpose? They come together as a couple. How would you unpack that for us? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great question, especially for couples, uh, because it's really hard to be one when you're two and you're going in opposite directions and there's no collaboration. There's no cohesiveness going on in the union. Um, It's just one person going one way, the other person going the other way. And God says the two shall become one. And when Adam uh, was in the garden and God had him in his presence, God gave him a job, said, name all the animals. God um, uh, had him um, guard the garden, protect it, uh, all of those different things. And he brought Eve along and said, I want you to be his easier conigdo, which means essential collaborator. Or this is not someone who's supposed to just come in and just just kind of be there just in case you drop the ball. This is an actual essential collaborator. It's the, the word helpmate is the same word used to describe the Holy Spirit when he talks about, I'll send you a, a, a helper that Jesus says. And so you're talking about someone who is who is real essential to, to getting things done and making sure that the purpose is met. So I would define what those things are for you as a couple. I would sit down and say, how do we make our passions that seem as if they're going in two separate directions really be what God is trying to accomplish in our garden? Because he placed us in this garden and he didn't place us here to be ruled by it. He placed us here to have dominion over it. But we can't have dominion over it going in two opposite directions. And men really need to sit down and realize something that Eve was created because Adam needed help. And what most men do is they get married, but they live as if they don't need help, which really suppresses what the wife is supposed to be bringing to the marriage. She's supposed to be bringing an essential collaboration. And that essential collaboration is supposed to make the garden flourish. So if men don't allow their wives to be who God has created them to be at their maximum capacity, uh, just because they're trying to be the man, so to speak, They're actually suppressing their own legacy. They're actually suppressing their own garden and they're actually suppressing their own purpose. And they cannot get the fullness of it unless the wife has 100 percent access. Love it. So good. What's your hope for somebody that picks up this book? They read through it. They set it down. What do you want them to walk away with? I want them to walk away with encouragement um, that even through the fear and even through the doubt, God has got it, that he's waiting on you to put down that fear, put down that doubt and pick up your faith. And he's waiting on you to allow him to take you to the next level. The Bible, large in part, one of the major themes in the Bible is God taking responsibility, but he will only take responsibility if you allow him. Come to him, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and he will give you rest. Um, Trust in him and he will make your path straight. You know what I mean? Uh, Cast your cares upon him. He will sustain. So he's trying to take responsibility and he has your purpose in his hands, but he's only going to unleash it when you're ready to allow him to take you there. And so I'm just ready for this book to be a catalyst to take people to the next level so that they can live their life and not allow their life to live them. Love it. All right. Well, we love to wrap up the show with three rapid fire questions. And it goes like (laughs) this, Jonathan. Hope you're ready. First question is, uh, what's a book that's changed your life? A book that's changed my life is, oh, I have it. (laughs) Epic of Eden. The Epic of Eden. Epic of Eden. It is a monster. You ever wanted to know the Old Testament? Get that book. It'll straighten up your closet so that you know how to, uh, what what to wear in the New Testament. 
It is unbelievable. Nice. You don't want to go to seminary? Just read Epic of Eden. It's practical, but you'll get it all. Awesome. That sounds like my kind That's of great. book. <laughs> Skip school? Like, don't have to go? I've literally told people, if you read this book, you will have taken in, and it's still practical, but you would have taken in probably two years of my seminary training in a practical way where you can just explain it like that. Wow, that's awesome. Oh, that's great. Yep. We'll check it out. All right. And the second question is, what's a habit that's changed your life? A habit that's changed my life is literally walking in the presence of God. So in the morning, I get up between seven and eight and I walk around my neighborhood with my word by myself and I just pray and I pick up the book of the Bible to read for that month. And so every day I want to walk with God, literally. That's good. Very cool. Lastly, if you were sitting across from the young Jonathan, what advice would you give him? Start now. I would let him know there's no reason to wait till you get older and more mature to decide that God can use you. David was anointed as king as 15 because he was doing what he was supposed to be doing. Start Mm -hmm. now. Don't waste your time because you don't know how much time you have. Love it. So good. Well, thanks for joining us today, man. Really appreciate it. Love this project you're working on. Everybody can go get it right now, but where can they find you? Where can they look you up, follow you online? What does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So first I want to tell you that this book is unique because I put a movie and a soundtrack in it. So we literally put a movie. So while you read, you watch a movie and you have a full experience. And after you put the book down, there's a soundtrack you can download to ride and work out and really be encouraged by it. And so um, that's a cool feature that we put in. So you'll enjoy it. But you can follow me, my name, Jonathan Blake Evans. So whether that's Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Jonathan Blake Evans. And uh, again, you can get the book anywhere books are sold online. Awesome. Love it, guys. We'll link to everything in the show notes. Jonathan, thanks so much for being you and sharing your story, man. Man, we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Rhythm of Us. You can find all the resources and links mentioned in today's episode over at our website, therhythmofus.com. We hope you'll check those out as well as our new book, The Rhythm of Us, which is available for pre-order now wherever you like to get your books. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thanks again for joining us, friends. Until next time.